Okay, I was on the one hand hesitant to start the Hakdama of Shreftin because Slichus and Erev Yom Kippur, not everybody's here. On the other hand, it's Slichus and Erev Yom Kippur, so we better have Shir. And that was the decision. It wasn't a very difficult decision because they can always hear it on the audio and video. So what you have in front of you is a brief introduction from the Da Seferim, who is one of the classical commentaries on contemporary Mepharshim on Navi. We've quoted him a lot, and we will continue to do so. And he has a Haktama, which I hopefully will be able to use as a springboard to explain some of what we're going to be seeing. And obviously, when we get to it in Shavtim, we will explain further Be'iyan, uh, Shmuel and Shmuel and uh, Malachim took us 17 years. Shaftim won't take that long, but it's Shaftim. We didn't learn Yeshua yet. I know it's out of order. There will be at the beginning of Shaftim a lot of reference to Yeshua, and we'll be, we'll, we'll be looking back when we need to. I chose Shaftim because a lot of what goes on at Shaftim is familiar, and hence the problem. It's familiar, but very confusing for people and often misunderstood. And I felt it's uh, more important to have beer on that. But again, we will get a lot of Yeshua and what was learned from there for the beginning of the Shaftim, it will be needed just for the understanding of the Tekufa. So I don't want to give too much of an introduction to the introduction. Let's just see the Das Seferim here. And we will begin with this, continue Metashem the Sunday after Sukkot. And uh, then after that, we will uh, begin the Psukim, and the Nevi'im should be here by then. They were ordered, they're here somewhere in Muncie. Next Sunday? Next Sunday. Uh, it's Arab uh, which is a good time to have a shear, so don't get me wrong, but I think some people will be building their uh, Sukkot and uh, getting their Abaminim, no? That's what it sounds like. Uh, traditionally, we haven't had, but maybe it's not a good mimic. So we can always always discuss. Same for Shaftim, top line. Uh, there is, for those listening, I didn't realize, so I think if you can remind me, I'll put this in the Shearam thing. You can make a different, uh, separate folder. We should really, for Shaftim, start putting Mama Chemist in. So for those of you who've been following us at night, the Mama Chemist are there for a few years already. Lina, they're... Okay, okay, maybe let me know, and just then I'll try to put this in, because Mitzvah Shem... If we would have all the Marmacones in the last 20 years, it'd even be better, but everything takes time. And the Mitzvah Shem will, will try to put this Hakdam in as well as the other Marmacones. Sefer Shaftem Nechtev Ayyadeh Shmuel Hanavi. That is already a key piece of information. Navi is not a history book, never was, and it will give us some important pieces of history. But it's not written for history, as Hamisha Chemshatari is certainly not, and the rest of Navi is here to understand the historical context, but the Musr and the Ashkafa and the Inyanim of Mitzvahs and Maisim Tevim that we learn are the primary reasons that it was written, and it has to be written via Navur. This is written by the can't say Gadol Shabbinavim, but certainly the Gadol Shabbinavim in this Tkufa. Moshe, Aaron, and Shmuel are mentioned in the same breath. Shmuel and Avi, 
we uh, spent much time on, and we know that he's not born yet in Shaftim, but we know that he was the Navi that was asked by Akash Baruch Hu to put down Shaftim because you have to sometimes step back and look at a Tkufa, and when a Tkufa ends and the Tkufa and the Navi begins, which is what Shmuel was, you can now understand what went right, what went wrong, what's being changed, and why is it being changed. And that's why it's important that uh, Shmuel and Avi Dafka write this. And everything we have here, all the information has to be scrutinized and understood because Navi always runs the risk of reading it too quickly and taking things at face value, which you can never do for anything in Tarsh Bixar or Tarsh Balpa, obviously. It's written as a timeless safer, meaning we could still glean, we must still take the inyanam of Musar and Ashkafa and halachas and adrachah of what we're learning out from what they did and didn't do and what they got as a result. And specifically, Shmuel. Anavi wrote it because his era, as we just mentioned, began a new tkufa of Nevi'im leading to the kufa of the Malachim. What's conspicuously missing in all the Sefer Sheftim is the first mitzvah deresa that they have, which the Ramah brings down Hoch's Malachim. They had three things they had to do when they got to Yisrael. First one was Limnus Lamelech, which whether it's a mitzvah or not, we pass Malach Lamaisa, it is, and the Ramam brings it down. And the big question, which we touched upon when we were learning Malachim, we'll get back to over here, is for a mitzvah that demanded their attention, the Ramam says, when they got there to Yisrael, in order to, after you have a Melech, go fight a Melech, in particular, Zayin Amim in general, and to build a base of Mikdish. They did none of this. They started fighting, fighting Zion Umas, but that was slow going. That's part of the issue over here, which we're going to discuss at the beginning of Shaftim. They did not appoint a king, and there had to be good reason for this. And they certainly, because they had no king and they're still fighting the wars, they didn't get around to Binyan Abayas. David Amalek himself, already as the second king, the first one that was supposed to be from Shev Yehuda had to fight many battles before he got around to build the base of Middash. Then he saw, and he says, now's the time, and even then it wasn't the time. And he asked the Navi, and the Navi told him, great idea, you're not the man. So it's going to be hundreds of years till we get to Binyan Abayas, and hundreds of years till we appoint the king. And the unspoken question in the Pasuk is why? Which we're not going to now we're just throwing out the questions. Shaftim uh, means Shaftim. That a leader here, a leader there. Did a wonderful job. Tried their best. Shafid uh, has many similarities to a king. We've discussed some of them in the introduction. It's not a king, and they didn't fulfill this mitzvah, which the Rambam says the first mitzvah they had when they got to Israel. And interestingly enough, of all the accusations of what went right, what went wrong, this is not one of the tainas, which is fascinating. You would think this is uh, front and center. This is not one of the complaints. There was a reason, and it's going to be understood as we go through it, why the time wasn't right. Yes? So, well, just uh, <clears throat> it's a question. I, I'm very much trying to understand the distinction between Shofet and Melech. Give me six years. I understand. Well, uh, <laughs> but 
Yes, and now the Hills Malachim, the first thing Hills Malachim is a point one, and then the rest of the Hills Malachim is what his rules and regulations are, what his obligations are, and what his restrictions are, and that's all of Hills Malachim. But you got to have one first, and they, they understood that there's not the time and there's no direct time on them. There's, a lot of it will parallel Kings, but not all of it. We're going to get to it right now. It's in, it's in this introduction. Well, let's get to it. It's, it's, it's in this. He's going to allude to it because Sefer Shaftim. Kishmar Kachu, you have to know what a Shaftim is, and you also have to know what a Shaftim isn't. And again, this introduction is only two pages. Uh, it will take us a long time to figure out exactly what the role is, but as you see it in action, so to speak, we're going to have many, many clues. So, again, the purpose, Shmuel Navi was... Uh, Tasked with the job, and the purpose was to give Luderis the Musr Hadracha that we need. Third line should be a ma'am, Loka Yisrael, Bapam Harishaina, Maka Kasha Bachor Ben Shiloi. We're not used to talking about or thinking about Chorben Shiloi. Many people might ask, Chorben Shiloi? I've heard of Chorben Bayes Rishon, Chorben Bayesheni. We've heard of many Chabonis afterwards, what's Chorben Shiloh? So we're not up to it now because it's the very end of Shaftim, but Chorben Shiloh, Shiloh was a quasi Besamitish. It was a cross between a Mishkan, which they had the Midbar, and, and uh, Naiv, and Gilgal, and they had temporary structures with different dinim, and then we have the Besamitish, which was permanent in its structure and its possibilities of being permanent. And then Shiloh, which was a hybrid, and in the construct of it, it was shown to be a hybrid. They had uh, the stone structure, Samirias, uh, had uh, many dinim of a Beis It stood for hundreds of years. And you had a Lila Regal. It had a Lila Regal. Yeah, Lila Regal, we're going to have to go back to the beginning of Shmuel. I hope it's recorded. Uh, it is recorded somewhere. Where... Over the kufas and the ups and downs, it sort of, I can't say it didn't fall into disuse, chas shalom, but it needed chizuk, which is what Shmuel starts with, where Elkanon is trying to go town to town and get people excited, and he started off with a small group, and it grew, and Baruch Hashem, he did a phenomenal job. He brought it back. Shiloh was destroyed, obviously, similar to a Chorban Beis not particularly for the various of one generation, but for the buildup of many generations. You have to constantly remind yourself a Holocaust doesn't come for any one Avera, any one Avera of uh, a Dur, even many Averas of one Dur. It's many Averas, many Durs, Hashem is Keller Chapayim, and the Kosh Baruch Hu wants to exercise Midas Arachamim more Kaviachal than Midas Adin because if you wait and you um, try to do Tshuva, that's a better recipe than having to destroy something and start again. But time to time, a Chorban happens. A Chorban Shiloh was similar in Chazal's eyes in many ways to Chorban Abayas. It was a Chorban Abayas, but we don't know about it because we didn't really learn Shaftim yet, and the beginning of Shmuel and this year was a long, long time ago. But we will get to it. The reason he's mentioning it now is because the Musser and the look back to try to make sense of what happened was done after Chorben Shiloh because that ended the Tukufa. 
so Shmuel Navi started writing about, okay, let's go back and let's discuss what caused this. After the Spanish Inquisition, there were Rishayinim, or all the Acharayinim, who wrote about it, as painful as it was. Many of them inspired him to try to assess what, what went right, what went wrong, had this happen. Uh, it's never pleasant to read. But if you don't put it down the way it is with pointing out the Milas and what they succeeded in and the Chesrenus, as we spoke about yesterday during the Truva um, you have to look at a daily report, you have to look at a monthly report, and you've got to have a YTD. Without a year to date, you're not going to get an accurate picture. And sometimes the picture is rosier with the year to date, sometimes the 100 year to date. And that's the godless of Novi, is you, you can't assess history without a Navi telling you how to assess it. Now, they say history is his story, so you've got to be very careful whenever you read any histories of who you're reading and what's his agenda. And there's always an agenda. The Dvar Hashem doesn't have an agenda. You're reading the Dvar Hashem in Chumash, in Navi, and yeah, there's an agenda. The agenda is we should do tshuva and learn the lessons, but the history is being written with uh, incredible uh, preciseness and choosing what to put in and what to not put in and what's important what's not important. That's the difference in learning Navi and trying to figure it out on your own. Kamal Chorben, Bate Amiktesh Bishalayim, four lines down. Kach Gam, Chorben, Mishkan Shiloh, Shemesh, Les Iris, Rabba Ba'am. Cause a tremendous Cyrus, which it should. Shmuel, Hidrich, Etz Yisrael, Baderich Zu. That's already a very positive sign. The Holocaust, just to put it in our in our domain, would you say the Holocaust caused tremendous hysteria in Klai Yisrael? There were Yechidim who went in, Fry came out from. That's a pretty rare occurrence, but it happened. There were people who went in less from and came out more from. There were probably more people, and this is not a time on anybody, who went in from and came out not from. Hysteria on our Madrega, it's because it's us. It's hard to say that Hysteria the godless of Klai Yisrael is that we survived and were willing to pick up the pieces and go weiter and build. That's Gavaldic. That's, nobody else does that. that the, the pat in the back for Klai Yisrael, I would call that a Hesiris. Hesiris is when you hop, spineless, the, oh, this is a chance to, it wasn't Hesiris. The fact that we're sitting here, as we always like to point out, is due to the perseverance and godless of our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. The fact that we're able to remain from and go on and put it aside and understand that we don't understand everything, but certainly is an Einish of some sorts, and it's also an Isayan, and we're not going to let it sidetrack. We're going to build anyway, and we're going to rebuild. That's godless. Their Madrega was, not only did they get past it, they had an Isairus. They used that as a stepping stone to have an Ali in Ruchnius. That's a whole different Madrega. That's not, not coming here to contrast to have Tainas on our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. What they did on the Madrega of today is uh, hard to fathom. But the word is there is, is they took it and they realized that they have to do better and they were interested in reading what Shmuel and Avi wrote. They were interested in hearing the Dvar Hashem. And that's not just making it, that's not just rebuilding, that's Ezra's, how can we do it better? Which we're also trying to do, but Kosh Baruch wants it on our Madrega. This, no matter what you say about all the people living in the time of Shaft in the beginning of Shmuel, uh, one of the central themes over here is going to be you have to know how to read the Pesukim and you have to know we're talking about big people. Some of them made big mistakes. Similar to the Dara Midbar, never lose sight of the fact that we're talking about 
in many ways, madregas of Darius that it's hard, hard to imagine. Sefer Azeh Haya Bide'am Kelchacha Ma'asis Lama Shegilam Shalom Mila Es Yehuda Ma'aleim Lasses Vasid. It was a testament to Yeshdim Yeshdayim, what went wrong and what they have to do and what they have to not repeat. Kedei Lahitiv Es Paneha Devarim in order to improve and to move Klaus in the right direction. Sefer Zeh Nikra Gam Bishem Sefer Hayasher. That's a surprise to a lot of people. It's a Gemara Navarazar, Chavheim, and Aleph. Sefer Hayasha. Sefer Hayasha means the Sefer of those who did the right thing. Sefer Hayasha. People who are Yasha. That means that all the Psukim we're going to read about all the Avarazar going on and the like happened, but it's not happening by Rave the people necessarily. It's not happening all day, every day. And as we mentioned when we learned Malachim, we can't understand the Yitzhar for what doesn't exist today. And to match it up with any Yitzhar that we have that is grabbing people, and then you'll begin to understand that the Pesukim are talking about people who were down and confused. We're not exonerating it. And the immediate thing that was triggered in their mind is, oh, we got our next-door neighbors, which is going to be the thorn in their side for the first part of Shefton, major part of Shefton, and then get rid of the neighbors who were doing Avodah And you can't live with people who are living this type of lifestyle. And there's an allure. And they had parties every day, and they uh, always smelled a barbecue. We hope a lot of the time the barbecue was an animal, so it was a sacrifice to Avodah and sometimes it was people. Uh, lasted a long time, like to the Aztec Indians and the like. Human sacrifices around for a long, long time. But there was always a barbecue in the air, and there's always music, and there's always Gilead Rais going on. And Chazal say that often the Abarazar was just a matter of the Gilead Rais. That, at least you can understand, there's Yates of Her for Gilead Rais. So one Chazal say that, yeah, there's Yates of Her, we don't understand for Abarazar, but it was also an angle to get in on Gilead Rais. But this is going on in all the villages around them. And that's going to be a big part of our discussion of being a Shaftim to try to wrap our hands around the Chiv, the race of the Sahayat which sounds very un American now and undemocratic. And certainly the liberals are going to have to, liberals in us are going to have to try to figure it out, and we will, and it's a Shem. Yes, yes, yeah, they, they're connected, and the problem over there was that we weren't even living next to them, we were just passing through, and they still had an effect. Can you imagine if they're your next-door neighbors? So that's going to be, and we're going to, as we always try to do, when, when you finish something here, hopefully you'll have heard it many, many times, the themes are interwoven, but uh, we'd like to think that, yeah, the ghetto, I'm not looking to go back to the ghetto in Prague or in Warsaw or anything else. The ghettos predated the Holocaust, obviously, for over a thousand years. It looked crowded, and Jews were poor and downtrodden, and it happens to be often the ghetto was there, if not the original intention, but for their safety. Uh, you walked out of the ghetto, you went on a business trip, which we take for granted today. Oh, you'll fly to, where's, where's the last place you went to? Give me a place. Kansas we'll fly to, uh, what? Kansas City. Kansas City, okay. So uh, that ear vein be a straw. A lot of Halig Yidden over there, but not too many. Uh, so a lot is always relative. So even 
in this wonderful free country that we have, in the security, Ken Yibu, even you, who are used to traveling, a seasoned traveler, done business all over the place, what's your comment when you come back from places like this? He said, I can't stand it. There aren't enough yarmulkes there, and everybody's like, there. no, you didn't there. You were complaining to me last week. Uh, yeah, something like that, right. So, uh, so that's Baruch Hashem. You're very spoiled in a good way. Turn around, everybody around, everybody's learning and davening and steiging, and there's a minion whenever you need it, and there's a, and you come in a shear, and it's a gavaldi. We think that, yeah, that's, Golis is always supposed to look like this. So it never looked as nice as this, but the ghetto, the Mila was, is that physically it was less dangerous because they had guards and they had walls. I'm not looking to go back there. We wouldn't do very well once we're used to the acre in our backyard. But it was safer physically, and spiritually it was a lot safer. We know that because when they broke down the ghetto walls and Ascala came, um, a lot of people got lost because they were drunk with the opportunity, which they realize now, whoever's left, uh, didn't work very well and we weren't missing anything. And now either those Jews are gone or very assimilated and it did tremendous, tremendous damage for 80% of cholesterol. Every door has this in Sienna's. But the ghetto itself, don't quote this out of context, was there for a long, long time, most of our gullahs, to protect us. And looking back, it did a wonderful job. The neighbors, by and large, were yidden, and they were from. They weren't having barbecues uh, to their vodazara and their wild parties. And it was a safer place to be. And there were some people toward the end of the tchufas of the ghettos, there were some gavirim and klai Yisrael, who, um, there was a very famous fellow. I remember seeing the account years ago. He... I was amazed because they describe his fairly large dira and what tax he paid to the ghetto and is describing where he lived, but it was in the ghetto. You know what his name was? Begins with an R. The Alta Zed. Still lived with all his Ashiras, and he was an Ashira also, not what his children and grandchildren became, but therein lies the problem. Uh, he was the biggest green class all then, and he lived in the ghetto. Biggest house in the ghetto, paid the most taxes, and helped out. He lived in the ghetto, died in the ghetto. There aren't many, sad, there aren't many of them that are Jewish now, let alone from. That's, the, that's not a critique of that family in particular. It just, it's easy to trace a family when you know who they are and they're ashamed of in the world. But you can say that about a lot of families, unfortunately. So the theme that we're going to be very busy with in the first uh, year or so is trying to balance something that uh, we are not used to. Los Chayi get rid of them. Los Chayi means don't leave anybody alive. The real tzivoy is just get rid of them and give them ample time to leave and send them letters and faxes and emails from the Midbar and tell them they can leave and not look to hurt anybody. And when you get there, they better not be there. And if they're there, they still got to leave. And if they don't leave, then there's Los Chayikon because there's a big, big world out there. And we have a very small sliver given to us by Kaj Baruch Hu. And I'll say something now, which I'll try to repeat when we do this, because if you ever give this over to anybody, or people are listening and they didn't yet hear Shmuel and Malachim and the rest of the Shiram, uh, there's more, more in Shaftim than anywhere else. There's going to be a lot of uh, consternation and maybe screaming and yelling. How can we have a mitzvah like that? We're taking over and conquerors. All the things you hear on J Street, basically. And all their allies. APAC might not be completely from, but they look very Haredi compared to J Street. 
Jay Street's too busy apologizing, but they don't understand uh, Taka. We're evil conquerors, and why did we take over, and who gave this to us? Well, if you don't know Chumash, it's the first Rashi of Chumash, Barashas Bara, and Rashi said that Kashbar created the world and left 99.999% of it for all the Umas and plenty of room. Plenty of room. There are states in this country that have very little people, just potatoes. Yeah, yeah, and they also have some from people, and the ones that aren't from have a lot of schutzim. Uh, and that's why I mentioned it. I, I, just, I, I just gave them a compliment, contrasted them to, I'm well aware, some of them are good friends of mine. I, I, I'm well aware of what they do, and I'm well aware of why they came into existence. You might not know this, but they came into existence during the Eisenhower administration. Uh, I like Ike like everybody else, even though that's less uh, But... Uh, <laughs> Some of the political expressions I use over here are probably lost on everybody before your time, but before my time also, and I know it, so I'm sharing it. Um, he was picked as the shaliach to lead the Allied troops into battle and won, even though almost everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong when they landed on D-Day. But Hashem still made sure they won eventually, and that's got to be a schus of sorts. I'm not looking at the darshan in his favor. It's a lesichanim. Uh, it doesn't mean that Be'etzem, he was a good guy. Um, I'm not saying he's worse than anybody else. He had his issues with Zionists and other things. I won't go into the sort of details. But he had an issue with Israel. And during his administration, he was constantly trying to cut, limit, and eliminate aid to Israel, period. And Hashem has many shlichim. And one of the people who fought him, who was a great friend of, of Israel and supporting them in terms of, when I say Israel, we're not talking about anybody who's just tuning in now. I can't bother on every shear that we've had the last uh, 20 years, but this is not a Zionist push. This is uh, helping Klai Yisrael, who needed to be defended and giving them hardware and money. And uh, he was basically stopped from doing everything he wanted to do by the, I think then he was the uh, majority leader in the Senate. Anybody remember his name? Johnson later became president. And he stood in his way, and it's a good thing. Otherwise, there would have been no help. And when he became president, after Kennedy's assassination, he told the Israeli ambassador, you just lost a great friend, a chiddish for a Kennedy, but I might say he was better than his father. His father was not very friendly to the Jews. During World War II and saving Jews in the Holocaust, uh, John F. Kennedy was, was a lot better. And he told him, he said, you just lost a great friend, but you gained an even better one. And that wasn't a political hyperbole. He had a long track record. Go figure. A guy from Texas, never met a Jew the major part of his life, but got to know the ones he got to know, he got along with, and really, Meshem Yatsadavra, I'm not here to compliment him per se. He deserves credit. But the point is that there was a long period of almost complete control under Eisenhower. And uh, he was not, again, I, I'm not here to, it's not a referendum on him. He, if you'd ask him, he'd say, I'm president of the United States, and I think this is better for the country because we just realized that there's a commodity in the world that's going to play a major role over the next 60 years, and its name is oil, and the Arabs have all of it, and Israel has none of it. That wasn't only Eisenhower's conclusion. Uh, when we discuss more by, during yesterday's drasha, I didn't harp on it because we had too much to discuss in the tshuva drasha, and I saw that uh, a lot of the people, when I mentioned Nixon and Watergate, and I didn't even know what I was talking about. 
which I'm not that old, and I barely remember it, but I think over here, those in other ship used to talking about ancient history, so we'll, we'll get back into that later. Uh, it's important for the overview over here, but my point with Eisenhower is that I don't expect the Umas Ulam to understand that we only have a quarter of 1% or even less. I never did the, the geography, but it's a very tiny slice of earth and the Umazalem got the vast expanses of sea, the shining sea. And Lemaisa, they don't like it, and normally they won't support it because Esav Sani is Yaakov. We're seeing the very friendly side of Esav and Ken Yibru. Even Eisenhower wasn't actively against. He was as against as any president would be since the beginning, since uh, Truman, basically. Um, Truman said yes, voted yes, and... Uh, Eisenhower was pushing back for all the years of his reign. And since then, it's gotten a lot better. But APAC, getting back to APAC, was formed during his administration to fight it. And they worked together with Johnson. And so they've done a lot of good work in trying to defend and help Yidin. My point is that we have a very, very small piece of real estate. Hashem, Hashem Malo. He can give us whatever he wants. We only need a small piece of real estate because it's not the acreage, it's the Kedusha. And Eitz Yisrael is there because that's what we need for our Ruchnius, and that's where all the Kedusha is. And when we need more, there's Kenezi Kadmani, and there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room now in Eitz Yisrael, even though parts of it look very crowded. Plenty of room still. They just don't release too much land at one time. That's a different schmooze. So Lamaisa, Kosh gave it to us, first Rashi and Chumash, and... The other Rashi that's missed by the UN and by many Jews who are insecure is the first Rashi is enough. But there's another Rashi that says that when Amravinu came to Yisrael, Kanani Oz Baaretz. Can't overemphasize this and please use this when you're at the UN trying to explain it to them. Not that you should waste your time doing that. Somebody's got to waste that time. It doesn't have to be you. Kanani Oz Baaretz is that they were now conquering Eretz Yisrael. At the time of Avinu, who were they conquering it from? Shame. Who's shame? As in Semites. That's us. So, just to set the history straight, in the introduction to the introduction, Eretz Yisrael is a tiny piece of land. They got plenty of room. We just want to be left alone. Hashem, in Bereshis, created the world for Eretz Yisrael and to give them Eretz Yisrael. The Umas have a role also on earth. Plenty of room. And it was conquered from us, stolen from us, in a bloody war from Canaan. Hashem, just a few centuries later, said, okay, there'll be a time. Go back and take what's yours. A lot of people don't know that. So between now and after Sukkot, uh, spread the word. We're going to be davening a lot for the Umas Elam on Sukkot, which needs Hezbollah. Well, Mitz Hashem, if you remind me, talk about it on Sukkot. We care about them. They're part of Hashem's mission. And we've been kabbalists for them. But there's a point where they have to understand or just not understand, and we have to understand, more importantly, what's ours and what's not before we start with the liberal agenda. Okay, we'll stop here because they have to start davening. The 